Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic naturopathic doctor and founder of Amorta Swa Wellness. And Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, they're out to cause more happiness in the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. My name is Dr. Alice, and this is my awesome co-host, Donovan. And today, we are going to be talking about why can't money buy happiness? Can it buy happiness? I don't know. I don't think so. But I'd be curious, Donovan, what are your thoughts about this topic? Yeah, so I think there is a little bit of nuance in the question, right? And the thing that comes to mind for me is that basically at the lower levels of income, right, when there are a lot of things that you're really struggling with, Mm -hmm. money can help a lot because a lot of those things can make you very unhappy. Mm -hmm. And once you have sort of some of those things covered, then, you know, having more and more money doesn't necessarily produce happiness, especially as related to what it takes to earn that money. By that, I mean, you know, if you go from uh, $70,000, right? Like you can definitely afford to live somewhere and pay bills and stuff on that. You go from 70 to uh, 80, but you have to work an extra 10 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of a change going to be worth it? And that's where I think like a lot of the nuance starts to play in, but moving from sort of like $0, I have nowhere to live. I have nothing to eat to getting some of those things sorted out. Definitely is going to increase happiness to some degree. Um, I'd be curious what your thoughts are on that front. Yeah, I like that you framed it in the context of like, where are you at right now? Because if you are really struggling financially, yeah, having a little more money to live a little more comfortably is going to make a difference. But, you know, the difference between 70K versus 80K, and if it's at the cost of working 10 more hours a day and you're not really getting to enjoy your life as much. You don't have as much time with your kids or your pets or your friends, whoever that might be, or your family. Then, then you kind of have to really step back and reflect is, is this worth it or not? I think that's a really great question when we talk about is can money really buy happiness? Because the traditional I think thought process is that like, oh, more money equals more happiness where I don't really see it that way. I think, you know, once you meet your, your means and maybe it, for some people it's like getting and achieving certain goals creates a temporary sense of happiness, but then it's like, oh, well now I have to have another goal and then I'll be happy versus living like in the moment of accepting and and loving what you have now. And really understand what it is that you value in life to create that happiness. I see like money more as like, uh, not the, the thing that creates happiness, but it's, it's a resource that can provide you access to activities or possibilities of life. Maybe more travel might create more happiness or maybe to be able to buy a a family, house that's a little more comfortable for you or with a big yard where you can enjoy family time in your nice big backyard with whatever it is that you want back there. Um, But yeah, those are my initial thoughts. I think you touched on something uh, that's really important. And, you know, obviously not everyone is in this position, but if you are, 
when you start getting to that higher level of income, what really matters is how you're spending money. And then, like I mentioned, how you earn it is also important, but you know, uh, the lifestyle that I imagine, or probably most people imagine between $10 million and $11 million is not that different, right? Because at a certain, at some point, you're going to reach a uh, 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 range where you can sort of just do whatever you want. And what matters the most there is like you were saying, like, are you going to spend the money to get a, uh, a slightly bigger house? Well, what is a bigger house actually going to do for you, right? If it's so that like you can entertain a lot and you have more people over and, and it's something you use all the time, that's going to contribute to happiness. But if it's like a lot of people and you buy a bigger house to just have an extra room that sits unused forever and no one ever goes in it and the door is just shut, then that's not going to contribute. So it's it's kind of like what you said, where money is this resource that we can use to facilitate happiness, but we have to be really mindful about the things that we're actually using it on and what the impacts are going to be. Um, one of the like ideas that comes to mind clearest is sort of uh, this desire to have a really fancy or specific like sports car or something, right? And for a lot of people, that's something that they're like, oh, if I had a ton of money, I would definitely buy this super, super nice car. But when you look at or think about what that actually does to change your day-to-day, most of those cars are in like the six figures somewhere, right? So we'll say you spend $200,000 on some fancy car, but you think about your day-to-day and what it actually changes and, and how it impacts your life and whatnot. Maybe for a day or two, when you first get it, or maybe like a week or a month, but not a year, not three years, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're going to feel really good and really excited. But a lot of the other stuff like, oh, I have to take some vehicle and drive it to this other place. Mm-hmm. Those experiences do not change much from spending money in that way. So mm-hmm. one of the things that I like to think about, uh, because very few people are in the position where they can spend uh, money endlessly on anything is just sort of trade off like, yeah, sure, I could buy this thing, but what else could I buy with the same amount of money and how much happiness is that going to bring? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good point that you make. Uh, the The other thing I wanted to, to touch on because, you know, we were talking about like at a certain point or threshold, it's like, yes, there's a very limited population who, you know, they don't have to worry about money. They can buy whatever it is want without thinking about consequences. Like what popped into my mind was, uh, the latest Netflix hit, <laughs> Squid Games, which is kind of reflective of, of money. And um, I'm going to do a spoiler alert for those who haven't watched it yet, just because, but I, I don't know if people <laughs> haven't watched it. If you haven't, sorry, this is a spoiler alert, but um, one of like the, the creators of the game is like endlessly wealthy, essentially. And he decides to basically create the squid games because he's unhappy he's like a billionaire but he's unhappy and he realizes that like him and his billionaire friends are just like super unhappy so it's like they default to putting people in who are struggling with huge financial debt on the verge of like bankruptcy or like you know getting their kidneys sold because they're they're so so in debt um putting them through these like life or death like kids games it's like fun kid games where you know kid games are really a great source of fun and reminiscent of joyful times of just like playing and being cheerful and not necessarily it doesn't involve any money you know when I think of the kid games we played 
it's like you don't have to pay to do, you just go do it with your neighbors or whoever was around kind of a thing and that show brings like those two extremes of like the extreme wealthy and the extreme um people in poverty like in the different realms and and I think it's just like both are unhappy but in different ways <laughs> yeah yeah I think the way that that show portrays um that select group of very wealthy individuals mm -hmm. is sort of the epitome of like when you have a certain amount of wealth yes you can spend it on things like entertainment right in, in that sense it's entertainment right. but and, and it shows those people doing a lot of sort of activities around uh like physical pleasure and just like pleasure activities um but having you know any amount of wealth does not necessarily mean that you're going to use it in a way that produces uh, some of the other components of happiness like meaning um, and that's sort of where those two pieces overlap where it's like he was trying to create something that would provide some meaning but also be enjoyable anyway the point being you see that like the way you spend money does not necessarily mean that it's going to bring you a sense of purpose and fulfillment and like this larger set of uh, things that are generally associated with happiness and then in the same vein, you see, um, you know, the person who wins and wins all the money, you see that that does not add any happiness to their life whatsoever. They're still miserable because um, the money that they get is not capable of sort of uh, erasing some of the memories or like changing some of the things that they wish hadn't happened. Um, and I think that is really gets to the heart of some of the times where money cannot buy happiness, right? There are other things that matter and are, are important. And that's probably why the phrase is so common that money can't buy happiness because there are certain things that regardless of the amount of money you have, you have to find other avenues to deal with. Money will not actually help you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when people are so, so heavily focused on like, I, I want the money to be happy, they kind of may lose sight of the things that actually matter most of them like family you know just going back to like the show as an example you know he stole money from his mother and like one of the main characters stole money from his mother and ultimately goes into the games to earn enough money to pay for his mother's surgery because she was dealing with some some health issues and ultimately um that didn't really <laughs> didn't work out in the end ultimately uh and it's just like you you realize you're constantly putting other money in front of like the things that really matter like family and you know i get like you want the money to provide for your family and take care of your family but you lose sight of like oh that quality time to like have those conversations that deeper connection do those things that we love to do whether it's like sharing a meal together or just you know going out for a walk together kinds of things like those types of moments um, get lost in exchange for like, well, I got to work like 10 more hours a week to make money so I can have more time with my family, but then, or do buy things for my family member when all maybe that would have brought more happiness was just that quality time with that family member. And it kind of what I think I'm trying to like navigate where I'm going with this to illustrate the example a little better. I think of like people in the Bay Area, as we both know, we've both lived in the Bay Area before, which is very expensive. You know, it's one of the most expensive places to live in the country. And, 
you see these people, like, especially people in tech that are, are working crazy hours. They're making like ridiculous amounts of money, um, to live in a, you know, even if it's a modest apartment, which it costs a million, a lot of money, or if it's a like really nice house, which is going to exceed, like you can, you can make all this money to pay for a really nice or even decent house in the Bay area, but you don't get to enjoy your house because you're working so many hours that you don't have any time go out with your friends you don't it's just like it's the grind it's like you don't even get to enjoy your beautiful house because you're working so much or time with your friends or family because you're working so much and it's like do you really need that would it be more satisfying to work in a less expensive area um yeah maybe you're making half the income but maybe you're paying only a quarter of your living expenses so you have time to enjoy other aspects of your life versus living to work and working to live. And that's all you do. Yeah. That's another really important point that I wanted to make sure we touched on is basically sort of this set of trade-offs that you have around um, basically how you earn money, how you spend money, and then how your time gets impacted by those sorts of things. And like you were saying, I actually happened to look at some Bay area houses today and it's like, it's over a million dollars for a one or two bedroom house. Right. Uh, some of them are beat, completely beat up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just really highlights the fact that the absolute numbers don't matter as much as what you actually get. Like you were saying, right? The relative uh, ability to do things, right? You don't want, like nobody actually wants a super expensive house that's a that's garbage. What you want is a place to live that you feel comfortable and actually like. And, and like you were saying, I think it's a trap that a lot of people get sucked into trying to earn more and more money without realizing that they're giving up more and more of sort of these other things that are actually produce happiness and are fruitful. Now, there is also some people that just love working and that they are super happy with that and great. Yeah. Which is fantastic. (laughs) But there's a lot of people especially, you know, in that area. And I'm, I'm sure it's prevalent all over the place, but that are just working so much to try to get to this target. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, and kind of like is highlighted in the show, by the time you make it to the target, you may have missed so much that the money you've earned will not, is not capable of producing the experiences or the happiness that you were hoping to get with it. So right. it's all about finding sort of this balance of trade-offs and it's different for everyone you know some people like we were talking about really enjoy the like working hard and are willing to work a bajillion hours to get some fancy things and great but uh most people probably the balance is a little bit more tuned towards finding something that works and doing some more work around um sort of your mindset and relationship to wanting things uh because a lot of the times the, the surface level things that we want are not the things that are actually going to drive happiness in any way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important to, to recognize that it, it doesn't drive happiness. I think, it, you know, as far as like giving our audience like a tool or, or something like to do, or maybe like a question to reflect on, you know, when they're deciding it's like, is it worth it or not is a great starting point is like, is this, getting 10k more a year worth it at the cost of 10 hours a week of more work kind of a thing I think another example I'd say that someone could use is to like think when you 
are at the end of your life, do you want to reflect back and be like, yeah, I don't think anyone's like, yeah, I'm so glad I work like 60 hours a week and ignored my children and, and didn't really do those things. Yeah. And I think that helps me, you know, if I'm starting to feel burnout and tired or just so stressed or worried about money to be like, okay, well, you know, I don't necessarily you know, so what if I don't meet my, my target of the year? And like, that's like a relative thing. Can I actually find happiness in, in what I have right now? And, you know, do I want to, if I'm going to try to reach that target, what is that going to cost me? And is that going to be worth the, the time away from family or friends or the things that I, other things that I want to do? That reminded me of an exercise that I haven't done for a while, but I've done a few times, which is to sit down and think about what the structure of sort of a good life looks like, right? Starting with sort of, okay, in, in the day-to-day, what am I doing? What sort of expenses, what I have, um, where am I living? How much does that cost? All that kind of stuff. But starting with um, sort of like, what is a good life for me? And then after sort of mapping that out, working backwards to, to figure out like, okay, well, I don't really need like a huge house, but probably two bedrooms would be nice. So how much do I need to pay for two bedrooms? And this is the kind of food that I, I like to eat. And then this is how often I like to go out to eat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And by working backward, um, which at least for me, this was a great revelation by working backward, I was able to come out at the end with, you know, a number of like, oh, here's how much I need to earn to live a good life. And it's way lower. It was way lower than the targets I had in my head. Way, way, way lower. And now, um, if I'm being mindful, Mm -hmm. I will try to catch myself when I'm getting caught up, you know, chasing money. Because, you know, there are more things that you can do with more money and, and, and options and stuff. But when I get stuck and I'm being mindful, I try to remember or go back to that exercise. Or um, in the past, I have even, you know, cracked open the, the notebook where I wrote everything out. And just, you know, stared at it and looked at it and gone like, I don't know why I'm trying to, you know, sacrifice so much right now when I've literally written out what it takes to live what I think is a good life and I don't need this. So like, why, why am I, why am I, you know, pushing myself so hard past the point of burnout? Why am I doing this other thing? Um, So that's, that's one exercise that really resonated for me a lot. But uh, before that, I had always done it the other way where I'm like, okay, well, I need $100,000 a year. And with $100,000 a year, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't end, right? You just keep pushing right. up higher and higher towards like, well, I guess I need $500,000 a year so I can have this ginormous house and a boat and all this other stuff. But when you flip it around, uh, at least for me, it, it made things so much more clear. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually something that I've done personally to kind of like rein it in. On like, oh, I need to be making six figures in X amount of time and like this kind of a thing of like, you know, will that really make me happy? Because I I had to do the a similar thing also in that, like, you know, we're trying to have kids and it's like that's gonna be a big expense. So like I get stressed about finances. It's like, am I gonna be making enough money for that? But looking back on like how can we like trim costs? It's like we don't really need a big fancy house. We can trying to live in like a small, smallish type of maybe tiny house we're considering things like that. Like where it's like, you know, if we're, we're happy and we're safe and comfortable in our home, that's really what matters. We don't need like 
a big house. Um, and if we are making more money, cool, maybe we'll upgrade, but we don't necessarily need that. And I like the idea of living more minimalistically. And so it's just like, what do we need for food? What do we need for like, um, childcare, like those kinds of things. So both me and my partner, actually, our goal that we're aspiring to is actually to not be working 40 hour work weeks. We want to be both working like part-time lives by the time we have kids so we can enjoy the kids more. Like we, we do realize we still have to work, but it's like, can we, can we work? Like how many hours do we need to work at what rate do we need to work to make that work? So we still have time to enjoy family life and kid life. Um, so yeah, it means, yeah, we're probably going to really have to rein in our costs and expenses or, or, or either rein in our costs or like have a really high hourly rate that we're, we're making it. So it's like either, or, and there's a lot of variables and possibilities to, to navigate through it. Um, but it, it gives us some options and freedom to realize that, yeah, that's, that's what matters more. I mean, yeah, I do want to really I think for a really long time, I was like, oh man, I really want like a six figure, maybe even seven figure type of business. That would be awesome. <laughs> and I was just like, the work that would require being a business owner is so hard and it's so much work and it doesn't necessarily pay. Like, <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, man, we're just having a regular nine to five standard job where it's like your paycheck is predictable sometimes sounds nice because it is a lot of work, but it's like, yeah, my work gives me livelihood and joy too. But I kind of let go of this idea. Like I need to create a seven figure business kind of a thing. And maybe that'll happen someday, but if it's at the cost of working 60 hours a week or more, and I don't get to enjoy like my kids when I have them, then I don't think that's worth it for me. It's like, I don't really need all that. It's just like to prove to myself that I could do it. Like, yeah, maybe I could, but do I really need to burn myself into the ground to be able to get there? I don't know if I want to do that. So I've kind of like let go of my attachment of that. Not to say that I'm still ambitious and trying to expand and grow um, my business, but I think I've just realized that I want to have my business. I want to enjoy my business. I don't want to hate my business. And I also want to enjoy my family and my light work-life balance to be balanced is what matters more to me. So I'm going to just focus on like, Hey, let's focus on, you know, what's the bare minimum. Any more than that? Awesome. Extra, you know, family fun time, <laughs> money, spending money, but otherwise it's like not necessarily uh, an absolute, like, yes, I need that 100%. And therefore I'm never really happy because I'm never or not never, I won't say never, but it helps me be more happy in the moment when, I, when I'm not focused on like, well, once I'm there, then I'll be happy. Let go of that idea of just being like, I can be happy now with what I have right now. There's great things. And yeah, if I achieve that, maybe that'll be awesome and cool, but I don't necessarily need it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a beautiful illustration of sort of the details of what doing some of this work looks like, because I think if you don't do it, most people get sucked into sort of this default kind of like prestige peacocking thing of like, oh, I just need to get the biggest house and the nicest car and the highest salary and the most whatever at the cost of all these other things that are much more fruitful. So I think that was a really nice detailed way of just sort of explaining some of those trade-offs 
And I think it was, it's important to note what you mentioned around. It's not that you're giving up on certain things. It's just that if you run into a place where there are conflicts, you know what decision you would rather make for your happiness and well-being. And I think if you don't do the work beforehand and you do run into these sort of moments of, of choice, or you just end up on a default path, you can end up moving away from the things that actually provide sort of balance and happiness and, and all these other things. And another piece that I really liked was just, you, you gave a more tangible uh, set of details to the idea of like, what are the trade-offs between um, different ways of spending money, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mentioned a tiny house, right? Mm-hmm. That's like the most expensive cost for the majority of people. So if you can find, you know, ways to sort of work your budget around what actually works for you, like you were talking about, then every dollar you earn is going to go the furthest it possibly can instead of, you know, these, these things where you like, you, you work harder, you make more then you start buying like Starbucks every day. And then all of a sudden you have like a $300 a month Starbucks piece of, of your finances where that money could have gone somewhere else. So I just thought it was a really nice and beautiful illustration of um, sort of the details of what doing some of this work looks like and sort of laying out your, your values and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I think once we start making more money, then we are prone to spend more money and that doesn't necessarily mean more <laughs> happiness. And then you're like, well, I don't have any money. And so then I got to go make more money. And then, and then it's just that cycle. And actually, when you were just sharing, I, I thought of this other, um, the story I heard, basically the story, you might've heard of it, of this, this fisherman who just like fishes all day and he provides for his family, he feeds his family with the fish that he catches and he has a very happy, enjoyable life just fishing all day. And then like this big old businessman comes up to him and is like, oh, you need to turn this fishing thing into a legit business. And then you got a franchise and you got to spend all this money and then make it a big ordeal <laughs> kind of a thing. And, and then you'll, so you can provide more for your family and all of that X, Y, Z, like, yeah, do the, do the works kind of a thing. I'm butchering the story. And so he does, he just like goes and works hard, builds like this empire, this fish market empire of franchise fish shops around like the country kind of a thing, hard work for like 40 years. And then at the end of it, um, he, it's like, oh, okay, what do you want to do with your life now that you've made built all this wealth? He just wants to go back to doing what he did before, which is just fishing <laughs> is, is what brought him joy versus like all of this money and time and energy spent into building this empire um, fish market when it's like he was already doing the thing that he loved that made him happy. And he did all this extra stuff <laughs> just because like an external factor told him that well that's going to make you real happy because then you'll have more money to provide more for your family kind of a thing but he was already doing that (laughs) yeah yeah I think that's a a very common sort of arc for a lot of people who start businesses as well there's like a lot of people who start doing something they love and then like like you mentioned as they try to like scale up and figure out the way Mm -hmm. to sort of make it work as a business they get sucked more and more into the business and less and less into the product and then all of a sudden they're just running the business and not messing with the product at all and end up hating it. But yeah, it just goes back to 
sort of this idea of really understanding what it is that actually brings you joy and, and whatnot, because the idea of money, especially in our culture, it feels like is so strong and it drags people around all over the place. Wow. Uh, if, if you're not mindful about it and reminded me of kind of this, like, I guess, archetype of person. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you've probably met people like this, but they're like really sucked into this idea of a certain lifestyle that's way beyond the means that they actually have. And, you know, doing things like, Oh, like this is super, this is designer and this is fancy. And like, Oh no, I I won't like go to this restaurant. I only go to places like this, but then they're always broke at the same time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you know anybody like that, but I met a few people like that. And it's, it's, it's always so interesting to me because one, them not having money is a, a constant problem and something that is like frustrating or that they complain about or whatever else. So it's definitely like a negative and a stressor. And then I look at some of the things that they spend their money on compared to other lower cost alternatives. And it's hard for me to believe that they're getting, you know, an order of magnitude more happiness out of going to a super fancy restaurant instead of reasonably priced normal restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I would just be curious, like, this is kind of a tangent. Um, if you've had that experience, one, or like seen people like that, and two, what you think keeps them trapped there? Because I, I see people do this for potentially forever. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it before. I mean, mainly what I think of is like stories of celebrities who've gone bankrupt when <laughs> they're they're making millions of dollars and they're bankrupt. <laughs> and it's like, how does that work? Because it's like they have to sustain a certain type of lifestyle to maintain like their appearances and you know go to the fancy restaurants splurge on like fancy parties and extravagant things and designer things like actually I was just watching um Will Smith had released on YouTube his his new like uh I already forgot what it's called but but he talks about like if you if you've heard Will Smith's story where you know if people know Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, he was actually broke, <laughs> which is what actually compelled him to do the show <laughs> Fresh Fish of Bel-Air because he was like in that splurge, like, oh, I'm going to buy out, like, I'm going to shut down the Gucci or whatever store so all my friends can shop. So I'm going to buy out, close down the shop, spend that ridiculous amount of money. Um, but he lived and learned. He's obviously become a lot wiser um, and smarter, but it's just like he had to hit like that rock bottom where he basically like the money he made from Fresh Prince for like the first few years was all like towards his taxes because he was so much in tax debt, <laughs> which is kind of funny. And it's like, yeah, I think when you I think it's a learning lesson for at least Will Smith he learned from that lesson, but I know some people that might struggle with it. Like they're in this constant state of like, I need to maintain this. And I think it requires for them to break that cycle. They probably need to do therapy or get someone to guide them and self-reflect on what really matters. And they have to help them understand that their self-worth isn't tied to the stuff they own or the things they buy. I think there's like that comes with unraveling like maybe there's childhood stuff to to deal with there I think it's 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 a process that would require like professional help in my opinion yeah or or just maybe even like you know having more more mindful or celebrity friends that have 
been through that experience themselves to learn from that and impart their wisdom. <laughs> Maybe they could learn from that experience as, as well. So that's, that's what I think of. Yeah. When you're talking, it helps me clarify a few uh, connections or pieces there, which is basically, you know, if you, I mean, I guess you don't have to be raised this way, but one of the ways it could happen is if you're raised with a set of values around sort of uh, prestige, I guess is the word I'll use, or you somehow develop that on your own, but basically your value system gets implanted with, oh, this prestige stuff is really important. And it's kind of like a fake or a faux value because really what's underneath that likely um, is probably a sense of connection, right? Like wanting connection and belonging, which um, if you feel like you have to keep up all the time, right? It's this idea of like, well, if I don't have these things, then some sort of imaginary negative social consequence or maybe real negative social consequence, depending on the circle you run in. Um, as well as sort of this idea of worth, I think is, is an important one. Um, I'm pretty sure you mentioned that, but just sort of recognizing that, um, worth is not really derived from sort of prestige. Those aren't necessarily two things that need to be linked together, but I could see how, you know, depending on your upbringing or the path you walked, how that set of values could get implanted and override some of the, uh, more traditionally useful and consistent set of values that people can have. Yeah, totally. And you have to realize, I think you have to grow a thick skin in that. I get there's probably a lot of pressure on celebrities or people of higher status, celebrity or not, to to reach the standards that are expected or and part of them. Like, you know, celebrity can't buy like a $5 pair of sweatpants. Supposedly they can but maybe they'll be frowned upon, but it's just like, who cares? <laughs> like, do you, does that really matter? Um, and maybe that could set like uh, a role model for other people. Like I, I see Keanu Reeves riding, like I hear he rides the subway and I'm like, that's pretty cool. I have actually more respect for him. Uh, yeah, of course people might like look down on him for doing that, but you know, so what? <laughs> it's like, do, why do you have to care about what those people who are just trolls and criticizing things what, what they have to say. Does that really matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it made me think about, as you were talking, probably another piece of it, at least for, for some of these um, really wealthy individuals mm-hmm. is uh, backgrounds that were not that, right? So, uh, you know, if you haven't really been paying attention to money or managing it well, or really understand it well, and then you suddenly come into a huge sum of money. And this, uh, this applies to, to people that I've seen as well, actually. Um, one of the clearest examples to me is somebody getting their stimulus check. And then we were out at dinner and, and they wanted to buy all the drinks and all the food and all the everything because they came into some small, you know, sum of money without recognizing sort of going back to what we talked about before the options for how to spend money. Like it it was nice for me, you know, at, at some level, but I don't think that was probably the best use for them. Uh, I won't go into any specific details of their situation, but I'm pretty sure there are other things that that would have been better spent on. So I guess um, what I'm trying to get at here is knowing kind of how you want to spend money can also protect you a little bit against if you get a large sum of money, a lot of people want to just like, oh, well, whatever. Now I can just spend it on whatever. And I'm sure that's what happened to Will Smith for that example, right? I'm sure he was just like, well, now I'm rich. Now I got tons of money coming in, had paid no attention to what was going on with it and then ended up on the other end of it, paying a bunch of consequences. 
Um, so I guess what I'm advocating for is just, again, doing sort of this work around recognizing what's important for you to spend your money on. And it might even be worth reflecting on, okay, if I were to come into a bunch of money, which sometimes happens, you know, there's um, like inheritances and stuff like that, where people end up with a lot of money that they weren't expecting. Right. What you can actually do um, to make your life a lot better. Because again, I think sort of this default path is just like, just blow it on whatever. Like, let's just party and have a good time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, my stimulus check went to paying down my student debt. <laughs> that wasn't that exciting, <laughs> but I don't know, it, it helped. <laughs> but anyways, I think we covered this topic pretty pretty well. Was there any other last points you wanted to make before we wrap up? No, that's, that's pretty much it. I would just highlight, again, I found huge, huge benefits from sort of doing the how much money do I need mm-hmm. exercise backwards, starting with what is the life that is a good life? Not like what is my super exorbitant fancy life, but just like what's it, what I need for a good life. And then actually figuring out how much it costs, that worked wonders for me. Yeah, totally. Love it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan. We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode? For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at dralicefong.com and you can find me on my social media handles at dralicefong. You can find me at howtohappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at howtohappy. Catch you next time. time.